everybody, and welcome to Blizzard Watch, the podcast where we discuss Blizzard Entertainment and its many games. I'm Matt, I'm the host. With me, as always, is my fantastic co-host, Ann Stickney, uh, who is currently glittering, from what I understand. Uh, could you give us a report on the glitter situation, Ann? It's completely out of control. <laughs> I'm, like, really into... More glitter than human now? Uh, yeah, yeah, it's just, it's taking over. I got, like, into doing nail polish just as, like, a creative outlet kind of thing, and it's very nice and everything, but um, I... I I got glitter that you use to put on the nails and they weren't sealed quite properly and now they're all over my hands or the glitter is. <sighs> uh, I've actually had this experience because um, I used to do kind of like crafting stuff. Yes. And this is similar. It's glitter. just instead of crafting little miniatures, I'm crafting my fingernails. Yeah, a packet <laughs> of glitter exploded in transit. So oh, no. everything was just covered in glitter. Like, yeah. And you can't, it doesn't come off and you'll have it there forever. And nope, and this is the duochrome kind that you like. You're supposed to burnish into your nails to make them look all chrome and stuff. So yeah, it's just persistent, and I don't know what I'm going to do. I'll figure something out. <laughs> I'll figure something out eventually. Until then, I'm just gonna sparkle. So all right. Yeah, mainly the only thing I've really been doing, other than the you know whole eye thing, which we're not gonna talk about. Uh, I've been playing a bit of Greedfall when I'm not playing WoW. Oh yeah. And it's an interesting game, and it's it's kind of really old school Bioware. Like I first compared it to like Origins, but it's actually it's more like is Baldur's it a Bioware Gate. game or is this a no? No, no. It's it's the game that's actually by a company called Spiders. Okay. And by when you start the game, when you says, said old school Bioware, I was like, is this a Bioware title I haven't heard of? Or no, no, no it's, okay. no, it's not. It's it's by a small company named uh, Spiders, and it's very much try. It's like it it feels like it's trying to to make people think of the of the Witcher series when it starts up. Okay. But it it actually feels very much like Baldur's you, Gate two. When you say that it's trying to make people feel like the Witcher series, does that mean that it starts up with like immediate nudity or something else? No, no, more that it's got like a very specific. It's got a very specifically like Age of Sail European feel to it. It okay. looks like that. All right. Um, there's because that was my first. That was my first experience with The Witcher two. Like, I started playing the Witcher series with Witcher 2, and a friend of mine told me, you need to play this game because it's got elves in it, and they're, like, rebellious elves, and they're very cool, and they're not, like, the hoity-toity elves that you usually see. I'm like, this sounds like my jam. This sounds like something that I would totally be into. So... Um, I fired up the game, and I started playing it, and not even five minutes in, boom, there's boobs just, like, out there. Out yeah, there. The, so if you're gonna play best. Witcher two, folks, I'm just gonna warn you in advance. They're they, they're just there, like right at, right at the top of the game. Anyway, um, didn't matter yeah, though. Green, I still really enjoyed the game. So, <laughs> Greedfall definitely feels inspired by like a lot of those games. Like uh-huh. it's, you can tell that they the people who made it played a lot of The Witcher three, and they, they have like that whole of... expanded universe feel kind of thing. Yeah, well, there's a ton of quests for a small... This is a... Again, this is a small company. Yeah. Spiders is, like, maybe 40 people. Okay. And this... this They made a triple-A game. Uh, they attempted to make a triple-A RPG with 40 people. And Wow. There, there are places where that kind of shows, like, some of the graphics and stuff. Sometimes it feels like I'm playing an Xbox 360 game. Mm-hmm. And I'm not. I'm playing it on Xbox One. So that's, a, that's weird. It's like, okay. Some, in some ways, you can tell they did not have the money. Yeah. But it, it's still it's still a really attractive game. But that's not even the thing. 
the, the vibe is interesting because, like I said, Age of Sail, they do some stuff with colonialism that's you don't see a lot of. Okay. Um, but that's what's really striking to me is all the side quests. Like this thing is just so side quest heavy. How like, many? Do- how many hours would each of those forty people have to have worked to like make mm-hmm. all of that happen? That's crazy. No idea because that is this crazy. Way. I've been playing this game since it came out. When did it come out? Oh, the beginning of the month. Okay. Like I think actually in September. Okay, so but it's been I've like been a good three weeks. It's at been least. three, at least three weeks, maybe a couple months at this point. But I've been playing it since it came out. I'm like I'm level thirty something. I've not been messing around or anything, but I've just now gotten to like the halfway point of the game's main story, oh, and that's geez. because I've done every side quest that I see, and it's just like some of them are like you know, there's quests that you don't even know, like you can miss these quests, and if you miss them, mm-hmm. the game will happen completely differently. Like here's one example. There's a you're you're you have these companions who have loyalty quests, and right. I know we we should talk about Blizzard games, guys. I promise we will. Uh, but but there's these companions you have to have loyalty quests, and you know if you want to smooch any of them, you got to get them all the way up with those. But okay, so it, I see where the Bioware angle comes in yeah. immediately. <laughs> and there's there's plenty of smooching. Don't worry about that. Okay. Um, but when I I got to a certain point in the game, and one of the game's factions did something, and I have a follower who's in that faction. And it, I found out later, if I hadn't done his loyalty quest, things would have gone very differently. Like, that whole experience would have been completely different. Like he would have tried to kill you or something else? Oh, along those lines. I'm not going to wow. say Wow, okay. Yeah, like, and it's, it's a big deal. And it's like, it changes the whole game because if you don't do this right, like, the whole map can change. Like, the, the, the factions that are in control of what everything can be changed by, by you just deciding I'll deal with him later. So it was like, Whoa. Okay. Um, similarly, you find out a critical plot point in the main game storyline on a side quest. And it's like, you don't need to know this to experience the main quest, but if you want to know why it happened, you're going to do that side quest. If you don't do that side quest, you'll never find out that this crucial thing happened and it happened to you. And the thing is, is that when, when you do find it out, it's like, that's why that happened in the opening thing. And you just would have no way of knowing if you didn't do that side quest. It's like, whoa. That's crazy. Okay. okay. This game is seriously side quest. It's like I said, it feels like an old, old school Bioware game. Like it feels like Planescape Torment or Baldur's Gate 2. Like even more so than Origins. Because Origins was streamlined compared to those games. Origins has side quests, but it's very much a do this to get this part of the this thing done. You know? Everything is ultimately about the Blight in Dragon Age Origins. Yeah, Everything there isn't, do. I mean, there's a few little side questy things, but it all kind of ties back to the main stuff anyway. Yeah, this game has these massive side quests that they they exist to show you the world and let you experience it, and you can completely skip them and go through the main story, and you will never know you missed them. But they do tell you stuff about the quests you're doing and the characters you're meeting that you wouldn't know otherwise, and they change your relationships with those people. So... Since I did all the side quests, I'm pretty popular with most factions, except the there's like one faction that I just can't get to like me because they they're jerks and I keep stopping them from being jerks and they just no, so we don't get on me and those guys. It's just it's it's really interesting. It's and I I do recommend it, but 
if you play it, don't go into it thinking it's going to be another The Witcher. Don't go into it thinking it's going to be Assassin's Creed Odyssey. Don't go into it thinking it's going to be a big Bioware game like like Inquisition or, or even Mass Effect Andromeda. Whatever you thought of Andromeda, Andromeda was polished. This game is not polished. It is very much 40 people bang this thing out because they love RPGs. So, yeah, that's what I've been doing. That's That's what I do when I don't play WoW. Okay, um, well, that took up a lot of time, so maybe we yes. should move on to other stuff. <laughs> we should now talk about, you know, World of Warcraft and other other Blizzard games, because there's actually a different Blizzard game is the one that I want to talk about first. We're going to do top stories, guys. You know how this goes. Uh, this week, in fact, as of yesterday, as we're recording this, because we record this on Fridays now, um, the Diablo 3 patch uh, 2.6.7 PTR just landed with uh, previews of Season 19 and new gear and new stuff for Diablo 3. So I want you to explain this whole season of pandemonium kill streak thing to me. Okay. Well, I don't know if I can explain it to you, but I can talk about it. Um the thing is that the season buff this for like the the season we currently have, the season of the triune, it's an interesting buff. Uh what ends up happening is randomly while you're playing the game a, a buff circle, one of three different types, can appear on the ground, and it can buff your damage, your output, it can buff your like resources, or it can buff your survivability, effectively making it harder for you to die. Um, the problem with the Triune buff is, it's the problem with anything where a random circle drops on the ground somewhere while you're trying to do something. If you want the buff, you have to go stand in that circle. So for classes character. that re- rely on mobility or being... Every Diablo melee. class requires, yeah. Every Diablo class requires mobility. All of right. them do. But even melee, because these melee, you need to be able to get out of big clumps. You right. can't just stand there and take damage. So basically, you're in a situation where, oh no, the circle is all the way across the map and I can't get to it, or oh no, the circle spawned under me, but now I have to move, or oh no, the circle's over there and I have to move, which means I have to interrupt doing my big, you know, my my demon hunter shoot shoot shooty a lot of ability to go stand in the circle, and that means I just wasted a ton of my that resources. Shoot shoot shooty a lot ability is one of my favorites. <laughs> it's it is their best ability. <laughs> I don't know what it's called because I don't play yeah, demon hunter. I know what, what you're talking about because I have played a demon hunter. I just don't recall the name of the ability. I think it's called Barrage, but I'm not sure. My wife plays it all might the time. Be. She loves it, it, it might um, be because the a lot of the demon hunter stuff and then the hunter names in uh or the names of hunter abilities in world of warcraft there's like similarities there anyway go ahead but anyway so that's the triune buff this season season 18 and it's it's got its you know good side and its bad side the good side is it's always there you don't have to only work you don't it's not only really there when you're max level it's always there it's there's your level it's there throughout the thing but like i said there is the problem of it you know it's it's a circle on the ground. You have to get to it. You don't know which one it's going to be. It interrupts cast channeled abilities. It, there's a lots of reasons why it's a pain. For the next season, the, the the season buff, the season of pandemonium, what what you get is a kill streak buff instead. It's very similar to like when you when you're doing stuff in Diablo and you kill like 20 or 30 guys, and you know as you kill them you get more and more experience. It's like imagine that, but it buffs all sorts of stuff. And the way it works is. The stack, you, you have this stacking buff that happens as long as you're killing stuff. As long as you have hit or killed a monster within the last five seconds. So it's basically the same as when you're, you know, smashing crates or killing monsters and you're just trying to get your devastation bonus up. It's similar to that. The way the stack works is each stack gives you like 0.05% movement speed and 0.1% bonus damage. The bonus caps at 50% movement and 100% damage, which is 1,000 stacks. Um, in addition... 
uh, after reaching a certain number of kills in a row, a power is unleashed, dealing an amount of scaling damage. And that scaling damage is based on player level and difficulty of greater rift level. So like 15, 15 kills, you get five massive energy twisters are unleashed. 30 kills, dark geysers form beneath the enemies. 50 kills, uh, sorry, it was 30 kills before. 50 kills, exploding chickens seek and destroy. So yeah, you kill 50 people and suddenly there's chickens. You're, you're suddenly playing a Zelda game. Oh um, my god. There's more though. Uh, 100 kills. Corpses rain from the sky. 150 kills. A wide frost nova freezes enemies. 200 kills. Treasure chests fall from the sky. 300 kills. A ring of fire engulfs everything. And I hope to God there's a Johnny Cash song playing. Um, 400 kills. Meteors rain from above. 500 kills. Angels descend upon the battlefield to fight for your cause. And at a thousand kills, question marks. It doesn't tell you what the thousand kill thing is. It just tells you that it is. <laughs> Diablo exists. shows up and says, you win, I give in. Yeah. I don't I know what up. it is. But... I give up. I don't know why. But yeah, you're too much. Sorry. I'm out. But the thing about that is, by making it a kill streak instead of having it be like it has been in this season, you're kind of encouraging people to just go all out. You're encouraging them to just try killing, killing, killing. No playing defensively. Don't worry so much about yourself and just try to get in there and kill as much as possible. But it, it's also it sticks to you. It's a buff that you get and it's on you as long as you're hitting and killing stuff. So yeah, it encourages you to, to get in there and kill. It encourages you to run around as much as possible rather than, you know, kill a group and stay there. You want to try and drag groups onto other groups so you can kill as many as possible. Um, but more even than that, it's always on you. It's not a patch on the ground over there. It's not a random proc. This is something you, as long as there's mobs to kill, you can get this up. This is on you. This buff is on you. It, it never leaves you. It doesn't go away. So you don't have to change the way you play. You don't have to like, oh, I've got to interrupt my channel to go stand in the circle. And that's an interesting way to do it because it's just, it, it's literally just saying play Diablo as Diablo-y as you can. Like, you know, that whole thing where you smash everything in sight and kill everything you can do that. So it's, it's a meta that doesn't change the meta. No, it's just like a ball of fun. It sounds like it sounds like you know the whole treasure goblin thing where it didn't really like buff any abilities or th it was just treasure goblins. It's, it's like similar. It's yeah. like that. Although it's that level of fun all over again, where it's not it's not something that affects the meta or affects the gameplay at all. It's just it, well, I guess it does affect gameplay because stuff happens and you can't really ignore the importance of chickens and all of this. And that's pretty no. amazing. But like it 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 feels like rather than having people muck with gear or anything else they're just throwing their hands at in the air and going okay now murder everything and the more things you murder the more cool things will happen just yeah. go do it not only yeah you'll you'll get stronger the more stuff you kill and you not only will you get stronger and you'll get a buff that makes you not only stronger but faster so you'll be moving faster while maybe the stronger. question marks is like a herd of angry cattle Perhaps, or perhaps the entire cow level just falls. Just on the you. cow level empties out into the. Or you know, the cow level and Whimsydale. I don't oh, know. Oh, jeez. But but the point being, by doing it this way, it, it really is just saying play this game the way you want to play it. Just play it as hard as possible, and that's interesting for theme seasons because it makes you wonder what will the next theme be. You know, but in addition to that, which is by itself pretty cool, that's the the season nineteen ability that's the, the the buff you you'll get there's also a there's they put in two new sets there's a new set for 
Crusaders uh, called the Aegis of Valor, I believe. And the the set for monks is the Patterns of Justice. Yeah. And they, they each have abilities based around like an ability that that class has. Um, and then in addition to that, they've buffed a lot of legendaries by adding new abilities or replacing their abilities. Um, the Barbarian class got a lot of them. Uh, and I, I remember this one in particular. Was that I, needed, do you think? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Barbs, barbs okay. are weird. Um, I love playing a Barbarian. I absolutely do. I think it's one of my, the, my favorite Diablo classes. But the, it's a class that because of the way Fury works and because of the way their abilities work, it's a very feast or famine class. Like sometimes you're just destroying everything and other times you just get blown up constantly. They tend to take a lot, like they have that, that standard, you take less damage for, you know, than other classes thing, but they don't have any really great way to just not die when they don't want to, aside from stuff like ignore pain, which is very hard to take sometimes because it's, if you take ignore pain, then you're not taking other abilities that give you mobility and otherwise help you. So it's sort of a, <clears throat> the way, the thing in particular, the one that I, I mentioned when I was writing it up, the one that, that really grabbed my attention was the bracers. Um, yeah. The bracers of destruction currently had a buff that, that increases the seismic slam damage to the first five targets it hits. If you play Diablo, you know, if you're playing Diablo three, five targets is not a lot when you are running a rift or no, it's you know, like, that's like your first two swings. It's not even that because the way Seismic Slam works is you hit the ground and it sends a shockwave out. Just it's okay. like just like the warrior blade shockwave. So the so first second the first, that you enter combat, basically. Yeah, you use the ability. The first five things you hit take more damage, and then everything behind them, which is everybody, because the, the battlefield is usually absolutely packed. Uh, they're all coming at you, and your ability isn't doing any extra damage to them. They've buffed it to do up to ten targets, which is good. It should be more than that, in my opinion, but hopefully by buffing it to 10 and increasing the damage it, it provides as well. It also increases the buff. Um, by doing that, it will at least allow seismic slam builds to be more competitive. Cause I mean, seismic slam builds are competitive now because of the, 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 the tier set that, that buffs seismic slam damage, but they tend to fall behind in higher, greater rifts, which is a problem. And anything that will, will help that get balanced out. Barbarians in general, I honestly feel like, I'm waiting to see what the Barbarian class set they bring in is. Because like I said, they brought in the new one for, for Crusaders and the new one for Monks. And those are both very good. The Crusader, Crusader one in particular, uh, it, it's actually, it buffs Fist of the Heavens damage and makes Fist of the he Heavens a, a very survivable ability, uh, which I like. I think it's it's really good. I, I like playing my Crusader and Fist of the Heavens is one of my favorite abilities. So overall, it looks like an interesting patch and I'm I'm very much looking forward to it. Um, we see, have yeah. we have Angel Nocturna in the chat channel who's asking, do you know when season 18 ends or have they not announced a date yet? They have not announced a date yet. It's um, just on I the PTR, expect... 19's on the PTR. With, with the 19 on the PTR, I would say you've got a month. That is a pure guess on my part. Well, okay. With BlizzCon coming up, yeah, I could see them like holding off on rolling well, out the new usually, season until we get back so usually when they do stuff on the ptr when they when they when they start testing on the ptr they test for about a week and then they look at what they did and they look at like you know okay is anything messed up do we have to fix anything like how how like what are where are the bugs and so it's usually at least two weeks before they announce the end of the season after they do a PTR patch. And usually the end of the season is another two weeks after the announcement. I'm wondering if they're going to announce the end of the season at BlizzCon because it's two weeks till BlizzCon. I, I don't know. I honestly don't. But I I would be really surprised if mm -hmm. we got um, 
the next if we got 2.6.7 before mid-november i would be surprised um i did a post a while back that that talked about the length that they, they generally go and they fluctuated up and down but generally it's about 16 to 18 weeks so I'm thinking okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna stay with my month. I think we're not gonna see it for another. I'm wondering if they're gonna have 19 like the whole the whole theme of the season and everything. If they're gonna have that playable at BlizzCon, I would not be surprised because, like I said, you can go on the PTR right now and play it. <laughs> Either that so, or um, whatever they announce if they announce anything. We're hoping. Yeah. Anyway, I, I yeah I definitely would like them to do that. Yeah. But, but another one here's another example. Um, there's there's a ton of stuff to talk about, but. For instance, there's the bone the bone ringer. It now has a, a cap of 60 stacks, and the reason they capped it was because it was an it's a necromancer item. And what was happening was people were just going to use the bone ringer, and they were just using it. They were farming up the the buff for like five minutes. Yeah. And then it would buff their damage so much that they would just walk through and just destroy everything in their path. But they had to like literally waste time killing mobs for like five six minutes to get it, it up. Sounds to that like point. the old reckoning bomb. It was very much like that, except okay. that it didn't fall off. Uh, another good thing that they're doing uh, is they're making it easier to get the Legacy of Dreams gem. If you remember back before the season we just had, there was the the Legacy of Nightmares season where people could effectively, if you didn't wear a set, you could get like you know a, a damage and and yeah. health buff. They made that a gem for this season. The problem is it's not dropping. People are not getting it. It's it's just it's a very very rare drop. So they're buffing the chance for it to drop, so people who want to use that playstyle can continue to do so, which I think is great. Even though it's not a playstyle I actually ended up liking, I ended up finding my sets just too good to abandon. But I think for some classes it's it's a really good playstyle, and I think it's good that they're making that easier for people to get. There's a lot to look at. I mean, more than we could really talk about here, and, and then talk about anything else. Yeah. So I'm gonna say you know hey we've got articles on the site about it. You can. You can basically go and get a, a good process of the whole thing. Uh, but yeah, it's definitely looking like I'm interested to see one of the things I've been thinking about. And I don't think we have really want to talk too much about it, but is how many more seasons are we going to get? Like that's Yeah, because we're at, about. I mean, this is going to be 19. Are we going to get to like 20 like, and then I, something I, new? It seems, or... it seems almost certain that we will get at least a season 20 because okay. there's no way they will be done with Diablo 3 in time to not have a season 20. Even if they announced, if they announce at BlizzCon Diablo 4 and here's Diablo Immortals release date, they still will only have Diablo 3 as the only Diablo game for at least six months, and I think closer to a year. So, yeah, I think we're going to get at least one more season, possibly two. But it's just one of those things that I think about when I look at this. It's like you know the seasons have started. They've 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 nailed down the formula after 20 of them. They they oh, yeah. know pretty much what they're doing. Yeah, so and people really like them too. Is this something they're going to continue? Like, it, will they continue it if possibly in a new game? If not in a new game, are they going to support it here indefinitely? Where, where are we going with this? But yeah, there's other things to talk about, though. So um, I think we're going to move on to talk about the WoW Classic thing in that dire Actually, why don't oh, we... Why yeah, don't... you wanted to. Yeah, that's right. I'm sorry. I wanted to kind of update you... people because last week we talked a little bit about the Hearthstone thing that happened with the player that was banned. And um, shortly after we finished the show they came out with another update about it which was like oh okay well now there's an update <laughs> so everything we had just talked about was pretty much invalid and um i just wanted to update people on what had happened there uh blitzchung was originally banned for a year and all of his winnings were taken away uh we got an update on the situation from jay allen 
Brack, who's basically the president of Blizzard right now, and they looked over what had happened, and he kind of explained what their reasoning was behind all of this and why that punishment was meted out. It had nothing to do with the message that Blitz Chung was delivering. It was about where he chose to deliver that message, and it wasn't an appropriate place to be delivering that message. That was pretty much it. But they also acknowledged the fact that when they looked at their core values, one of them was, you know, play nice, play fair. Well, Blitz Chung had played nice, and he had played fair, and he played through that whole tournament thing, and he won his prize money fair and square. So they gave that back to him, which I'm honestly really happy about because that was... I think that was really extreme. Um, They also shortened his ban from a year to six months, which I'm still not sure how I feel about that. But I mean, it's better than a year. I'm glad that he got his winnings back. I'm really glad that he got his winnings back. And I appreciated what Brack had to say as far as their reasonings behind this decision. Um, In addition to that, though, the shoutcasters, the shoutcasters are basically hired to like, you know, shoutcast the game, that kind of thing. And the casters that they had violated that. So yeah, it, it, they're supposed to keep the focus on the game and they didn't keep the focus on the game. And it, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not super happy about it, but they also, with the casters, they, they shortened their suspensions to six months as well. Um, so they will be able to return to casting eventually if they would like to do so. I still think that that's kind of, I don't know. I'm I'm not 100% happy about that, but I am happier than I am about the original punishment that was meted out there. Um, also, there were some other streamers that showed kind of solidarity for what had happened to Blitzchung at other tournaments. Those players were also they received a six months ban from competition. They didn't get their winnings taken away or anything like that. It was just, they got the same, they had the same thing happen to them that happened to Blitzchung as far as the punishment goes, because it was the same thing. It was, this is not a venue for you. It's not that the message is bad or anything. It's that this is not the venue to present that kind of a message. It's supposed to be about Hearthstone. So I get it. I mean, I get it. And I'm glad that Blitzchung got his winnings back. I'm still not sure how I feel about the severity of a six-month ban, but I get it. Um, And that's it. That was just the update to that for people that were wondering what was going on with that situation. Okay, yep. Uh, Mm -hmm. Sorry, I forgot that you said you wanted to talk about that before. No, it's okay. I just wanted to update people on it because, like I said, when we talked about it last week, it was before... it. Literally, I think two hours after we finished recording the show, Rack came out with that announcement, and I'm like, uh, yeah, yeah. okay, we should probably update people on that. So that's I what's don't going know on how with they that. manage. It doesn't matter when we do the show. It doesn't matter <laughs> what day they do the yeah. show. They always manage to come out with news just after we do the show. It's like, come on, guys. Yeah. Are you waiting to drop this? But yeah, anyway. Um, like I said, if you're playing WoW Classic, uh, you might be excited to know that they they bumped up Dire Mall and it's out now, and you can yeah. go run Dire Mall. So. Um, somebody played a musical tweet to commemorate this. I'm not going to name any names, Ann Stickney. Uh-huh. Uh, but, Let's but, go yeah. to the mall. Okay, anyway. Um. See, that's not funny to me because I live in Canada. Sorry. And I live next to the West Edmonton Mall. Sorry. So, yeah, it's not funny. Sorry. It's not funny. But, I'm yeah, apologizing. Um, yeah. I, I'm speaking but, to you in your Canadian language. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> It does sound familiar. It doesn't it's sound puns. right for an American. Oh, does it have to be sorry? I, I, is it sorry? Sorry. Sorry? 
See, I don't... That, that, that's the uh, that's a whole different thing. Because I live in Alberta, where that the accent isn't here. Oh, it is. But anyway, getting back to okay. Nope. Uh, See, I grew up Midwest, accent. so like that's you heard that. You anyway, guys, Midwest sounds more like Canadian than Alberta. Yeah. Alberta Western. But oh yeah. No, absolutely. To, to, <laughs> to get back to Dire Mall someday. Yes. Uh, yeah. If you if you want to do it, all the all the original wings are open. Um, it's also. I will say this for WoW Classic. One of the things I love about WoW Classic is it brought back the original versions of various dungeons. And Dire Mall, I loved it when it was a big interconnected mess. And that's what it is now. It's a big interconnected mess where you can go in one you can go in one wing, never leave the instance, and do all the wings just by going through various doors I inside think the instance. I wanna say that the wing with the trees, that one was separate the whole time. But the other wings are all interconnected. Well, you can you can get from east. Can you to uh, north? Um, but you have to actually le- you do have to leave the instance. That's yeah, true. yeah. It's because not the, the, it's the not... connection is actually the outside in the campus area. But yeah. north and west are completely connected. Yeah, because you go through the library and there's everything. There's a tunnel that goes right to the library. Yeah. Uh, the weird thing though is that there's actually multiple doors into and out of east as well. Yeah. There's the pavilion where you can enter it through the pavilion. The, on the far end of Feralis. Yeah. Yeah. It's north of the Horde. It's, yeah. It's north of the Horde. Ta- is it Camp Mahachi? No. I can't no, I remember think, the name of it. Farachi? Yeah, maybe? I don't remember. Which, whichever that one is, the one in Feralis. The one in Feralis. If you're Horde, you know, you know what I'm talking about. North of there, there's a pavilion. And if you go up to the top of the pavilion, there's a stairwell that goes down. It'll take you into Dire Mall East, which is weird. Yeah. And that's one of the things I liked about dun- dungeon design in Classic that I do feel like we've lost to a certain degree. Um, there's a ton of really complicated and sometimes maddening dungeons, but at the same time, they have a lot of character and they do feel like what they're supposed to be. Dire Mall feels like the ruins of an ancient elven city. It feels like, yeah, this place used to be like one of the seats of elven power and now it's corrupted and broken in half and there's treants all over this one and there's ogres all over it and there's a weird cult of satyrs here and you know if you go to this part there's a bunch of like elven sorcerers who are still doing magic and a bunch of ghosts up top and it, are you talking about feels... classic or are you talking about today's i'm talking about classic because all okay. that stuff is classic well yeah today's still has ogres overrun all over the place and all that other stuff but it's a very different kind of story because yeah, Chogal's involved and yeah there's just yeah. weirdness going on Whereas very much the, the Dire Mall original design definitely feels like it it doesn't necessarily have an overall story. It feels like a place you go. It's just a place you go. And there's all these little stories happening there. Um, but there's no big overarching, this is the story of Dire Mall. It's more like, oh, you've come to this place and now you can do this. Or I think, I think what I really enjoyed about Dire Mall originally was that it was obviously this big set of elven ruins, but it was overrun by all of these other things. And it wasn't until you were like pretty far in that you actually ran into any of the remaining elves. But the whole story of Eldrithalas and everything that had happened to it was always really fascinating to me. Um, so yeah, I always appreciated Dire Mall. Plus, ogre suits. I mean, come on. See, for me, Dire Mall was a place I went very, 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 very often. Because I was trying to get my tanking weapon. Kelsarar. Um, yeah, Kelsarar is, is by itself an experience that I'm really actually really happy for WoW Classic players that you're going to get to have. I was going to say, uh, with the, the things... launch of Dire Mall, Kelsarar should be available. 
it, yep. it it's a rare drop from Dire Mall, but you can get it from Dire Mall. And then also the Dreadsteed quest and the Charger, the Paladin Charger quest, those should also be available because they required what was it? It was like Strathholm and then Dire Mall. Yeah, there's a for the I know for the Paladin for sure. I don't for know the about Paladin. the Warlock. For the Warlock it yeah. required a bunch of different things. You had to go get like a bell and a book and a candle and everything and that you had to go to um Black Rock Mountain and that kind of stuff. Uh there's yeah, stuff there's out the, there. And then you the went demon to boss. Yeah. Yeah, and thought. then you went to Dire Mall and you killed the demon boss. And then after you killed the demon boss, you did the summoning ceremony to get the dread steed out of the portal. But you had to fight off a bunch of imps and things. And it was just, it, it was a really, both of those quest chains were really, I did both of those quest chains in classic. And they were both really, 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 really cool. So if, you, if you're playing a paladin or you're playing a warlock, make it a point to go do those chains. Because number one, the mounts are really rad. But number two, and more importantly, the quest chains to get them are even more entertaining. There's like stories involved with all of it, and the story is great on both sides. Yeah, I, 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 I never did the Warlock one until much later. I didn't I actually didn't do it until just before Kata came along. Um, I think I did it during Wrath for a friend, but I did the the Paladin one at the time to help a buddy out, and it was the it's kind of touching, really. Honestly, it's pretty touching. So yeah, I just remember that there were a lot of people that were really upset because obviously. Paladins and Classic, they were only available on the Alliance side. So it was like the Alliance got two free mounts and the Horde only got the one free mount because they could get the Dread Seed for Warlocks, but that was it. Yeah, because the Shaman Quest didn't get a mount. No. Just the hat. Yeah, and they were just, they people were really grouchy about that. And I was like, yeah. and then they came out with Blood Elves and everybody got Chargers and everybody was happy. So it was fine. But yeah, <laughs> so yeah, Dire Mall, I, it, I definitely give it my, my highest recommendation. It's a dungeon I spent a ton of time in. It's one of my favorites. Um, they're still going to be doing the staggered release of all the other stuff that was supposed to come out with Dire Mall, but they decided to do Dire Mall early. So yeah, there you go. You got it. Um, i trying to think what else here. Um, oh yeah. I'm honestly, so, I'm glad also, that oh, they did Dire Mall early because of Kelsarar and because of the Mount Quest, but particularly Kelsarar, because Kelsarar comes in really, really handy in later raids, so, yeah. you know. Uh, I remember you, I tanked with it right up until, mm-hmm. yeah, right up until the end. I didn't, because I didn't get a Thunder Fury in Classic, so I didn't switch. Okay. But yeah. Um, also, we're going to talk about Overwatch got its launch on the Switch, and people are talking about it, including our own Tyler. It, um, yeah. It's not, it's a, it's okay. a bit of a mixed bag. Let's I have a Switch. It's, I have a Switch. I don't have Overwatch on the Switch. Full disclosure, I didn't pick it up for the Switch because I already have it on PC. Why would I want it for the Switch too? But the thing is, is one of those things that I was kind of concerned with when they announced that it was coming out on the Switch was how what what is the gameplay going to look like? Like, how is it going to play in comparison? Because playing with a keyboard and a mouse is a very different, or even playing with a controller like on an Xbox or whatever it's a very different experience from playing on a Switch. Because a Switch is, it's got like the control, you know, you tilt one way, you tilt the other way, your characters move around, that kind of thing. There's like those whole, what do they call it? I forget. The motion control thing? Yeah, it's the motion control thing, but it's it's like a, there's a Geo, or I don't remember what they call it. There's a special name for it. But it's, yeah, it's motion control, basically. Um, and it works differently with the Switch. And it makes the Switch a little... There's a learning curve to getting used to playing it, right? 
and that's just for games like the games that I play, like Zelda or like Pokemon or something like that. When I'm moving around the map and stuff, it, it took a little bit of time to just kind of get used to the fact that you had the Joy-Cons and all that other stuff. I couldn't imagine playing Overwatch on that, and I wasn't sure how it was going to work. Well, the thing is, is Overwatch, right now, the game runs at 30 FPS, which feels weird and kind of choppy because the game on the Xbox One and the PlayStation 4, they run at 60, 60 FPS. So it's like half of the frame rate of these other consoles that are out there. That's not great, especially not in a game where you're like really twitch heavy and you have to like be really quick on the draw and you have to look at things and you have to have that response time. Now, keep in mind that players that are playing on the Switch, they can only play with other players that are also playing on the Switch. So everybody's on the same even playing field. And by the even playing field, I mean, everybody's playing at 30 FPS, which doesn't feel great. But since everybody's doing it, you're all kind of like it evens itself out. Still doesn't feel great. Um... But it's not, you know, Overwatch is kind of like one of those fast-paced games where it feels like it needs that really quick response time and that, you know, boom, 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 boom. I I feel like the Switch, what it would work for best on the Switch is stuff like, well, I mean, the game is out now, so it's got Junkenstein's Revenge on it. And Junkenstein's Revenge is that whole PvE thing. Um, And that, I'm sure, that plays pretty well on the Switch. And it probably feels okay. And it's kind of fun because it's not you're not playing against other players who may have a slightly better, you know, reaction rate than you do, that kind of a thing. So, I don't know. I feel like with Overwatch, it's probably, on the Switch, it's probably more suited to those PvE events and also to, like, the stuff in the workshop. You know what I mean? Like, the game modes that players come up with and that kind of thing. That kind Mm -hmm. of thing I could see working really well on the Switch. But trying to do any kind of competitive gameplay, I can't really see doing competitive gameplay on the same level as somebody who's playing it on like the Xbox or the PS4 or even the PC just because it's a vastly different animal so I mean we already see people talking about how the PC is just better for yeah. competitive than, yeah. than even the other consoles well the response time consoles, on that is just I mean yeah. if you've got if you've got a good computer the response time on that is everything and if you've got a good computer then your response time is just like instantaneous and that's what you want in a game like that with the switch if you're going from playing the game on the Xbox or the PS4 or the PC and you're going from that to playing on the Switch, it's not going to feel good. It's going to feel different and it's going to feel different in a bad way. If you've never played Overwatch before and you pick it up for the Switch, I'm sure it'll feel fine because you don't have any other experience to compare it to, if that makes sense. I think part of the reason why people are saying it feels bad on the Switch is because they've played it on other consoles and they know what it's supposed to feel like and this doesn't feel like that. But if you're a brand new player and you have a Switch and you start to play this game and this is all you have to go off of, I'm sure it's fine. I'm sure it feels fine. I'm sure if you give yourself some time going from a PC to the Switch, eventually you'll get used to that delay and kind of incorporate that into how you play the game. Initially, though, it just it doesn't feel that great. And I totally get why. I do totally get why. So maybe not the best com- console release they've ever done. But I don't think Overwatch was ever really designed for mobile to begin with. So I kind of expected this. I I half expected this. 
I was hoping it wouldn't be the case, but there's limitations. There's hardware limitations to the Switch. And... Yeah, I mean, you definitely... The interesting thing about the Switch is that it is basically a graphical step down. They've, yeah. they've basically... They've seeded away from the whole our our consoles even better more more pixels and blah blah they they've said now nah, we're we're stepping back from that so putting games and on the switch that, is always you know, going to be when you're playing like Diablo three on the switch it plays great fantastic love that yeah, but game. Diablo three was made in 2012 it's different yeah completely different yeah, game it's it's not a situ- Overwatch not only was Overwatch made more recently it was made pretty much cutting edge in terms of reaction time so yeah but. We probably much covered all the news we need to cover right now. Unless can you, can you think of anything? Because sometimes you usually jump in here like, "Well, we should nope. talk about this." So I'm gonna. Nope, give that you a was chance. it. Okay, we can cool. go to emails. Yep. Uh, if you have an email for the show, as always, you can send it to podcast at blizzardwatch.com, or you can go to our dis our Discord, and there's a Q and podcast questions channel for patrons. You can ask it there. Just in, in either case, let us know it's for this podcast. Uh, say either Blizzard Watch or this podcast. That makes it easier for us to know that it's for this show. Uh, Anne's going to read it for us, so if you don't mind, Anne, take it away. This first email is actually kind of interesting. This is from Shalcrass from the Shatar EU, who says, Hi, Anne and Arasi. Love the podcast. All the talk of Forsaken recently has been really interesting, and having also recently read Before the Storm, I had a question. Historically, the Alliance has been opposed to embracing the Forsaken, despite them being mostly deceased humans. Yet there was no mention that I recall of, in game or book, of the fact that there are Death Knights in the Alliance. Is there a reason that they don't seem to have an issue with Death Knights? I would have thought Andwin would have used this to prove his point of integration. Is there a point? Is there is there a reason why the Alliance doesn't have an issue with Death Knights, but they vilify the Forsaken? That's that's really what. Shalcrass is getting at here. He says, "Am I correct in my belief that Death Knights are all undead?" Kind regards, yes. Shalcrass. So go ahead, Rossi. Yes, they're all undead. Um, in fact, they're kept animated through slightly different necromancy than the average Forsaken. They don't. It's not the plague of undeath. It's direct application of the Lich King's power that that brought them back, and they have to actually inflict suffering in order to continue to exist, which is why they tend to find conflicts to be in because if they're not killing people, they got a problem. They start to suffer enormous amounts of pain. But in terms of why they're allowed into the Alliance, it's like asking the question, why is the Alliance okay with these five guys over here when those 50,000 guys over there are just about the same? Because it's only five guys. There are not nearly as many Death Knights as there are Forsaken. And Death Knights don't look like Forsaken unless they're actually Forsaken, <laughs> which is being a Forsaken Death Knight is like the worst thing. <laughs> it's like you're so you killed me, you raised me from the dead, then you killed me again, and now you've made it so I'm back, but I have to suffer continually just to exist when I was already suffering continually. What is this? What kind of poop Sunday are you making out of me? So yeah, it it's not good to be a Forsaken Death Knight, but. That has nothing to do with this. In terms of why Death Knights are allowed in the Alliance, most people don't really know what Death Knights are. When the Death Knights Wait, showed what? up... what? Yeah, most people don't know. Like, the average person doesn't know what a Death Knight is. Huh. The only people who do... Remember when they went to Stormwind, it was one Death Knight. When you play through the Death Knight starting zone, one Death Knight goes to Stormwind and is vilified. Everybody spits they, on you. Yeah, they, they throw on you, rotten they fruit throw, at you. Yeah. All of that. It, Varian has to basically say, stop, you know, this, this person is here to help us fight the Lich King. 
you know, he, they, they, and they, that, he's joined. Yeah, he says, this person is here to help us fight the Lich King, and we're okay with the Ebon Blade. I think he yeah. makes, like, that proclamation. He yells mm-hmm. very yep. loudly. And that's the thing, is the people who do know what Death Knights are, you know, the average person who just, like, lives in Westfall, all they know is that dude is creepy. Like, his, his skin ain't right, doesn't breathe very much that I can tell. There's something wrong with him. But, you know, unless you were actually in Stormwind when they showed up, you probably don't know that much about them. And there's just not that many of them. Um, the, and it's actually interesting because they don't really, they still don't get welcomed. Every time you play, if you play a Death Knight and you go to places like that are neutral, like Dalaran and stuff later, in Legion in particular, people are creeped out by you hard. Like, they're like that axe. Yeah. Whispers. I mean, there's people don't like you being around. Um, what, what do you call it when you when you're doing the uh, Borean Tundra quests again yes. in Wrath? Um, the Sarian makes the point that he's not welcome. Like he came back and he pledged to fight for the Alliance, and the Alliance is like, yeah, okay, you you can fight for us over there. And part of that was the, was the Lich King had control of several Alliance people and was very deliberately sabotaging their efforts. But and part of that of, was, ew, you're kind of stinky yeah. and weird. Yeah, people don't want Death Knights around them. It, if there was an army of tens of thousands of Death Knights that was like just wanted to hang around Stormwood all the time, I think you'd see a much more negative reaction. And keep but in it, mind that the overall numbers of Death Knights were... Okay, the Death Knights that joined the Alliance, that was a big group that was there when you go through the Death Knight starting zone, but a giant chunk of them got wiped out by Corfax and friends Yeah, at the Battle mm-hmm. of Light's Hope Chapel. So you're part of, canonically, you're part of a pretty small contingent of, of these Death Knight dudes. There's the, maybe a few hundred. Yeah. Maybe. I mean, keep in mind, any one Death Knight is a pretty terrifying thing. I mean, you can summon an army of the dead. You can, you know, animate corpses and make them do your bidding. You can blight the area with blight or blood, or blood magics. You're you're pretty strong, but you're still only one of a few. I am kind of curious, um, though, about why Anduin didn't bring that up when he was putting forth the whole idea of reintegrating the Forsaken into the Alliance or, what you know, like bringing them home, letting them meet their families again. There was not a mention made in that entire novel about the fact that Death Knight's are around and have been around and have been helping the alliance all this time. Like it, it wasn't point. even it wasn't even mentioned, and I'm kind of curious why it wasn't mentioned at all. That that much I don't have anything to say on. You're, Although you're maybe right. it was because of the questionable stuff that they were doing in Legion, because goodness yeah, knows they, they were up to they were up to some really interesting things over there in. Uh, why can't you know? Why don't you know? Anduin, what do you think about the Death Knights? Yeah, I'll bring the Death Knights up. Have they finished desecrating several of our heroes' graves yet? Are they um, done th- raising the corpses think- of the Red Dragonflight? Because I heard that was a thing. <laughs> I, I honestly think that, that raising Thoras Trollbane and trying to raise um, Tyrion Fordring would be more affecting to the people of Stormwind than dragons. I, I don't think, think trying to raise life- Tyrion Fordring would make Anduin Wren frown just a little. Yeah, that's definitely not. I think the only thing that would make Anduin frown more than Tyrion Fordring if if they had decided to go after Anduin's father. Let's be honest; the only reason they didn't is because he didn't leave a body. He was dust in the wind. Yeah. If if Varian had had a corpse, it would have been on the list because there's no way they were like, well, yeah, Thoris is fine, but but how about the guy that killed the Fell Reaver by himself? 
We don't want that <laughs> no. guy. I think we want the guy who kills fell reavers by himself. Yeah, that does sound like something we'd want. So yeah, I could I totally mean, see definitely... Bolvar asking for Varian too. If Varian's body were around, I think Bolvar would have would have like wanted him as one of the four horsemen because Heck, Bolvar and thought... Varian they were buddies in real life. He would have possibly even thought he was doing him a favor. Yeah. Oh, here you go. Here's here's a horrible mockery of existence. Let's say I never gave you anything. But yeah, it's it's yeah. So now we can hang out forever and eternity, and you can see your son. Come to think of it, since Ver- since Anduin knows Bolvar is the Lich King, and we know he knows because he said so in game sense, there's a possibility he didn't bring up Death Knights because of that. Like he might not want to touch that subject. The more he yeah, mentions Death Knights, speaking... the more. He- yeah, technically speaking, um, as far as the rest of Azeroth is concerned, you know how Tyrion said, or Bolvar said, go and don't tell anyone what happened here, blah, 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 yada, yada. Technically speaking, nobody knows about it, but we do because there was a big statue that was, okay, whatever. Yeah, the statue doesn't do that for everybody. <laughs> no, apparently the statue only does that if you were like directly involved with what was going on. I just love the idea. Tell no one of what happened here. So Tyrion just puts a statue up, and when you touch it, it plays like this little laser light show of what, of like the whole encounter, <laughs> including all of the wipes because you were trying to do that one stupid achievement. <laughs> I don't if it, if it showed that, then it showed at one point it shows one of the tanks losing their mind and just yeah. going, "No, we're not doing that again. We're just so the whole him. raid jumping off the edge because they think that that's going to reset the encounter. It does not, by the way." <laughs> Does not. He will I think teleport we have you back up. Yeah, I think we've got time for uh, one more email. So okay. uh, I want to jump to the last email on here because uh, BlizzCon is in two weeks, so I figure we should probably address this sooner rather than later. Um, and this one is from Scott, who says, Hey guys, so I too am heading to BlizzCon for the first time this year. I know you probably cover this every year, but I was wondering if you could give some suggestions again, since I'm actually going this year. I live about 30 minutes away from Anaheim, so I'm just planning on driving in. Do you know anything about the parking situation at the convention center? Should I come down the night before to pick up my tickets early? I remember that being a thing, Scott. Um, okay. Do you have useful advice for this, Rossi? You've never actually been before, so... Yeah, I was going to say, the parking thing, I got nothing. Uh, no idea. I would assume it being a huge convention that parking is going to be like parking is for anything in California when it's, it's got demand. Okay, so it's been a couple of years since I've been to BlizzCon. Um, the last time I was there, I mean, every time I went, we road tripped out there. So I took my car and I had to park my car. I usually parked it at whatever hotel I was at and then like walked to the convention center. That's why we tried to get hotels that were near the convention center because we knew we were going to have to walk. Parking at the convention center, I believe that they were building onto the parking garage so that they had more parking. But even with even if they have completed that project, and I don't know because like I said, it's been a few years since I've been out there. Um even if they have finished that project and there is more parking, expect it to be full and expect it to be full pretty early. Um, you're going to have to pay for parking. It is not cheap. Um, and if you want to go ahead and get your ticket early, yeah, I would recommend coming in and getting your ticket early. I think you can get them on Wednesday now. I'm not sure. It's like, no, 
Thursday. I think you could get them on Thursday, and then the show itself is on Friday and Saturday. So I would recommend, yeah, definitely drive in, get your badge early. Uh, expect to be waiting in line for a while to get your badge. It does it does take some time to go ahead and get all of that, particularly since they picked up security measures at the convention center, which honestly I'm happy about. I'm glad that they're really invested in keeping people safe and sound out there. But regardless, it's going to take a little while for you to get your badge. Um, and you could probably find parking on Thursday, but I wouldn't guarantee that you're going to find parking anywhere near the convention center, like right up in the convention center or adjacent to it the day of. Yeah. Um, th- unless you show never. up, unless you drive down there at like 6 a.m. and find parking somewhere and say, okay, experience. I'm going to be here all day. <laughs> like, like I lived when I lived in, in San Francisco, in my experience, if there's even a little demand for something, forget it. Like you, you're not gonna. It's gonna be a chore to get parking. I, I will mention. Um, I know that the tickets are through the AXS app. That's how I've got mine, for instance. Yes. So I think if you've got that, you can just show up and show it to them, and they scan it. But they still do yeah. Have but to you, have to, you have to. Yeah, you have to wait in line to get yeah. that scanned. Um, it it they'll send you a barcode and you take the barcode with you and you also take take a photo ID with you because they will want to look at that as well. Um, mm-hmm. you go through security and everything. You go through a very 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 long line. You show them the barcode. They scan the barcode. They give you your badge. They also give you your goodie bag if there's a physical goodie bag or anything like that. They give it to you at that time and then they send you on your merry way. Um, and they do allow people to do it early, which I think is pretty great because trying to do it the morning of the convention while everything else is going on, yeah, that would be mass chaos. So I recommend going the day early. I, I, I do. Um, especially yeah, if you happen to live that close to Anaheim, please go ahead, do it. Uh, and have fun while you're there. Uh, be aware much like Disneyland, you shouldn't plan to see everything because you're not going to be able to. There's not enough hours in the whole convention to see every panel. It's a big convention. You do get the virtual ticket when you buy the ticket for BlizzCon, and that's a very, very good thing because you can go through the schedule and pick which panels you absolutely want to see in person and experience in person. And then the stuff that you don't happen to see in person, you can always go look it up on the virtual ticket later. So, I mean, it's a good amount of coverage. You're not going to be missing anything. And, of course, we'll be covering it here on the website as well and, you know, talking about what's going on, breaking out any big news that happens to come out, like, I don't know, expansion announcements or Diablo 4 announcements. Again, I'm talking up my butt here because I really don't know what they're going to be coming and, like, throwing at us this year. I don't. Um, I expect it's going to be good. Just don't know what they're going to throw at us. But that should give you some ideas of what to expect. Oh, and also when you're at the convention, don't buy the food in the convention center. It's super overpriced. There will be food trucks outside. More often than not, there are anyway. They are much more reasonably priced. And don't forget to drink a lot of water because it's easy to get dehydrated. Just saying. One thing I'm going to suggest for anything like this, Uh not not only drink a lot of water, but instead of eating big meals... Try to get like a food thing where you can eat a little bit at a time throughout the day because you're going to I like end taking up those little situations. I always like taking those little um those those little packets of like peanut butter and crackers. I used to take t- like taking those with me because it was like, ah, I can snack on this if I really need something. And then in between all of the big stuff going on, when I have like an hour or so, I can go outside, hit the food trucks, get some actual food, food and call it good. You know, yeah, just be just be aware that you will be on your feet a lot. You'll be moving around a lot and you'll be using up a surprising amount of energy 
and you might find yourself like, you know, you don't feel like you did anything. You don't feel like you should be hungry, but you will be, and you should take care of it. Don't, don't run yourself ragged. Yeah. It's a big, big convention. I've done smaller cons and this is just advice from this. This is the first time I've done BlizzCon. So I am going to be just as lost as anybody. I'm going to be going, Oh my God, what do I do? So, it's a big yeah. convention. It's if you've ever been to San Diego Comic Con, it's nowhere near the size of San Diego Comic Con. It's probably about yeah, half the size of San Diego Comic Con, maybe, maybe. Uh, they did expand the convention center, and I haven't seen the expansion, so I don't know how much bigger it is. But I do know that San Diego Comic Con is a beast of monstrous proportions, and this does not touch that yet. Uh, but it's still a pretty sizable con. There's a lot of people there keep an eye out make sure that you know nobody's doing anything too shady or anything like that like i said they've got security measures in place and stuff um everybody there is usually pretty chill pretty cool it's a bunch of nerds that all love the same nerdy things and i say nerd because i am one of those nerds and i there's there's some people that are like i like the term geek better than nerd i'm like look it's all the same thing and i love embracing that part of myself and i also love surrounding myself with people that embrace that part of themselves and blizzcon is like the mecca of all of that so just have a good time just have a good time i prefer the term artisanal dork anyway um (laughs) that's a good one (laughs) i think that's going to wrap us up for emails though and that's probably going to wrap us up for the show too unless you got anything else to add rossi no i think that's pretty good it's a good place to stop well, Blizzard Watch, it's made possible due to the generous contributions at patreon.com slash blizzardwatch, and your continued support means that this podcast site and community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzard Watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast, a better chance at having your question answered on our podcast or the queue, and an ads-free site experience. Thank you very much, Anne. And again, guys, if you have an email for the show, please either send it to podcast at blizzardwatch.com with the subject line podcast or blizzardwatch, or head to our Discord and go to Patron Q and Podcast Questions and let us know it's for the podcast so we can answer it here. Uh, thank you guys so much for being here. This has been the Blizzard Watch Podcast, and we'll see you next week. 